When we hear the word love, most people think of the romantic stuff. I'm in love, I'm not in love. But we use the word love for everything, don't we? Like, I love me telly. I love me car. I love me new suit, me new dress, whatever it is. I don't love me new dress, just let me get that off the record. Seems I'm in recorded. Um, we love loads of things. You love your house. Her daughter got a house, she loves it. Loves the house, loves where she lives. Um, loves what, what, what's happening in, in, in life. Um, we use that word like throwaway. And then we say we love people. And the thing about it is, in the original kind of languages that, that the scriptures were written in, there was different words for love, because there's different kinds of love, isn't there? And, and the, 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 pic, the, the picture, the, the, the story that was in my head all week long was when our son was born, which is quite a few years ago now. But I remember the first six or seven weeks that he was, he was here with us. He didn't like sleep. He had some allergic reaction to the idea of sleep. I don't know what it was. Um, I didn't have that allergic reaction. I wanted my sleep. And we spent, I think, the first probably six or seven weeks surviving on one or two hours sleep a night between us. And that was like a shock to the system. I, I, we weren't used to, I wasn't used to that kind of stuff. Um, but we still, somehow or other, managed to love this child Despite the fact that I wanted to strangle him at the same time. Despite the fact that I was wall falling with sleep. We were making bottles. We were changing nappies. We were doing all of this stuff for this little infant that wouldn't even smile at me. <laughs> wouldn't have any recognition except to scream or cry or whatever. And I was thinking, that's not the kind of love we talk about when we're talking about Valentine's Day, is it? There's something different about that. Because there's no way I'd be getting romantically hooked up with somebody that I had to feed, change the nappies, and they wouldn't smile at me. There's something different level of love than the stuff that we talk about, than the, the love of a car or the love of a, a holiday or the love of a, a suit or a dress or a, or a house or a telly or whatever it may be. And I think that what God wants us to grasp if possible today, is this love that he has towards you. Because it's not the Valentine's Day kind of love. Because that doesn't, that's fickle. That can be dropped in an instant. It's not the love that we have for a car. Because I love the car I've got. But I can promise you right now, if someone gave me a new car tomorrow, I'd soon learn to love that one and forget the one I have. Do, do you know what I mean? So there has to be something deeper. Because if that's the only love God has for me, well then I'm in trouble. Because there's lots of better versions of people out there than I am. Lots of better versions. But the love the scripture talks about, that, and that word that's used in this part of, of Corinthians, is about agape love. And that's the kind of love that sacrifices. It's the kind of love. It's like it's a conscious act of self-sacrificing our own desires, our own comfort, and even our own well-being for the sake of another. Okay, so anyone in this room who has a child knows what I'm talking about. True? Because that's exactly what you do. You sacrifice your convenience. 
You sacrifice your time, your effort, your money, your own desires. Like who wouldn't, and talk to the mammies for a minute, who wouldn't rather be going down and getting pampered and getting your nails done and your hair done than changing nappies and cleaning up puke out the floor? It would be much more pleasant, wouldn't it, to be doing that? But you do it. You do it because you love this child. And you love a way of love that doesn't even make sense an awful lot of times. Because it's self-sacrificing. And the world that we live in tells you that you should be taking care of yourself. That you should be just living for you. Isn't that what life is all about? Get the best you can out of it. One John four and eight says, "Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love." And then we take that God is love. Then what's that love look like? What does that love look like? And the best description of love that I know in the scripture is in a part of the Bible called 1 Corinthians. It was a letter written to a, a church in a place called Corinth. In chapter 13, and it's used at weddings all the time. And we use one little bit of it. It says, love is patient, love is kind. And we quote this little piece. And Anna and me are 27 years married this year. And when we were 20 years married, we read our wedding vows. And, and we wrote our wedding vows based on 1 Corinthians. And we made all the promises that Seth says, I will be kind, I will be this, I will be that. And I broke every one of them since again. But, but the reality of it is, there's a lot more in that chapter than just them little verses. But them little verses are really important. But I want to read the chapter. And it says, And now I will show you the most excellent way. Even that verse is deadly, isn't it? The most excellent way. The best way. The best way to live. Because he's had to been talking about gifts, he's had to been talking about loads of different things in this book. But when he gets to here, he says, this is the best way to live. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but haven't got love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have a gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and I have a faith that moves mountains, but I haven't got any love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to read that little bit again. I want to see where you fit for you. You ready? Put your name in here. I'm going to go, Brian is patient, Brian is kind. He doesn't envy, he doesn't boast, he's not proud. So you put your name in there. I'm not rude, not self-seeking, isn't easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices over the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love does not fail. See, if I put my name in there, it's a failure all over. Every one of them is a failure. But if I put God's name in there, it's a success all over. Because Jesus is all of them things. All of them things. But where there's prophecies, they'll cease them. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. And where there's knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. 
Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, but then we will see him face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall fully know, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. We had a, um, a conversation at the Alpha Course. And Ruth, the vicar from St. Mary's, was saying how she doesn't like that scripture being read at weddings. And I was saying how I do like the scripture being read at weddings. And she was saying, because it's not supposed to represent people, it's supposed to represent God. And, and we misinterpret it. And I was saying, but I like the idea that that's an aspiration we can try and get to. Because I think if we don't have an aspiration, we have nowhere to go. If all I can try and live up to is my human experience of love, then I don't have very high to live up to. Because what I've got is family, what I've got is friends, and what I've got is what the world is showing me what love is. And I want to say that's a very low aspiration. Because it's throwaway, it's selfish, and it really doesn't care about the other people. God's way is so much higher. And it's too high. I can't reach it. I'm never going to be all of them things. But with the help of the Spirit of God living inside me, I can try. I can try and be a bit more patient than I used to be. I can try and be a bit more kind than I used to be. I can try and be a bit more loving than I used to be. And I can try that today even more so than I was yesterday. I can try it tomorrow even more than I am today. It doesn't have to be a once-off thing. I gave my heart to Jesus. He changed me. Now it's all over. I'm stuck where I am. God's word is active and living and his love is active and living. And love changes things. I want to ask you the most powerful thing that has ever changed you in your life. I'll bet you it was love. Hate changes us. Hate and hurt changes. They rip us apart and they shrivel us up. And it kills us eventually. Bitterness kills us. Regret kills us. Unforgiveness kills us. Holding grudges kills us. Love blossoms us out. Love shows us a way where there seems to be no way. Love opens up doors to people. Opens up hearts. Changes how you see the world. Changes how you see other people. Changes how you see yourself. Because when we look at ourselves most times through the lens of the world that we live in, we don't see something that's worth much. But when you see yourself through the lens that God has for you, you see a God who had an agape love so big that he became a human being and came and died on a cross and suffered torture that none of us will ever have to suffer, please God. And did all of that so that you and me could have a relationship with him and you and me could actually experience what real love was rather than just what someone else's human idea of love was. 
And it's easy to stand and kind of go, oh, they don't know how to love. They're this, they're that, they're the other. And they hurt me or this happened and he did that and she did that and all the rest of it. The reality of it is, we're just as bad. There's none of us have it all together. There's none of us are perfect. There's no relationship that's broken down that didn't take two people. Sometimes one person is more guilty than the other. But love is something that is, in so many ways, intangible. But yes, it's so profound and so amazing. And the intangible bits of it is that it's feelings and I can't figure out how to get someone to love me. And the reality of it is we're not called to get someone to love us. We're called to love. We're called to do, to be, to be loving. To do love, for want of a better way of putting it, as a way of living. So when you want somebody to love you, the best way to do it is to sow love. You want God to bless you, love. Because he'll flow through your love and you'll get blessed. If we really get into this 40 acts thing, what we're essentially doing is showing love to the people all around us and to people we don't even know. And God will flow through that. Because God is blessing and loving the world all the time. It doesn't matter what part of the world and it doesn't matter who's in it. It doesn't matter if you're the most evil person in the world or the nicest person in the world. God still loves you the same. He may not approve of what you're doing. He may not want you doing what you're doing. But it doesn't mean he doesn't love you. So whatever you have done this week, in your head, in your heart, wherever badness is in each one of us that raised its ugly head this week and now the lie in your head is God can't love me because of that's a lie because God loves you anyway and whatever happened outside of you this week whatever other people did or didn't do whether you were let down hurt upset or blessed God still loves you exactly the same The greatest freedom you will ever have in your life is realizing that you're loved by God and living it out. Because then what other people do won't have the effect on you that it's had in the past. When people let you down, you love them. When people hurt you, you love them. You forgive them. When you hurt them, you ask to be forgiven and you move on. And you trust that God loves them just as much as he loves you. Freedom in it. Real freedom. And if you want to know how to live, love out, take that little piece and just set up, for want of a better word, a checklist for yourself. How patient are you? How kind am I? Do I envy? Am I boasting? Am I proud? Am I rude? Am I kind towards other people or am I gossiping about them? Am I caring for other people or am I sitting down eating the back of them?
Am I patient with people or do I just want to slap them around the place? Or even if I want to slap them around the place, am I being patient with them? Am I holding on to the things that they did on me? Have I got me little lists? There's a lady called Corrie Tim Boom. I've quoted her before here. Great book if you ever get to read it called No Hiding Place. She was a, a prisoner in the German prison world, Second World War prison camp. Um, her family hid Jews. They were caught. Her father was killed. Her sister was killed. She was the last one surviving. And she'd done a lot of teaching over the years about forgiveness and freedom. And she ended up meeting one of her SS torturers at a meeting one night. And he came up to her and put his hand out and said, I'm so grateful that you've forgiven me. And she said she stood there and everything he had ever done came back into her head. And she had the list of all he'd done. And she couldn't put her hand out to forgive him. And then she prayed. And she asked God for peace and for grace and for love to flow through her. And she did forgive him. But she said one of the greatest things we do as human beings is trap ourselves in this whole act of unforgiveness. And we hold the list. It's like, oh, I forgive them, but I'll still remember what they did. I have the list. I have the evidence. I still have all the text messages. Ever done that? I've done that. I've gone, no, it's okay, it's all gone, but I'm not deleting the text messages. Just in case. Someone says something, and I go, oh, no, we need to show you. If I'm living like that, I'm not living in love. I'm, I'm just setting myself up for it. I'm protecting myself. I'm just like, no. And you know what? If I delete the text messages, maybe they will have another go at me. Maybe I won't have proof. But I'll have peace and I'll have freedom. Because holding on to all of them only keeps me in a prison. Only keeps me stuck. And it's like a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about forgiveness. It's like, we don't let anyone else off hope. We're the ones that are stuck. God wants us living free lives. He wants us full of love. He wants us to experience every ounce of his love. And the only thing that ever stops that is us. And the biggest thing that we do that stops that is we hold things against other people. Because you can't love other people if you're holding something against them. And if you want to love them and you want God to love you, the best way to get him to love you is to love other people. Even when they're wrecking your head. Can I just say something? You don't have to like them. There is a difference. God is not saying we all have to be bosom buddies. And we all have to spend every hour of every day together. But we can love even people we don't like. We can love even people we can't tolerate. We can hope for the best for them. We can pray for the best for them. And do you know what's amazing? When you have people that you don't like and they really get up your nose and you genuinely start to pray for the best for them, something changes in your heart and you begin to actually see them in a different way. You may never be their best friend, but it moves away from that, like they really piss me off, into a much more tolerable place. And you know the only thing that's different? Me. It's my heart changes, and my head changes, and my life changes. Love never fails. 
Where there's prophecies, they'll cease, and where there's tongues, they'll be stilled. And where there's knowledge, it'll pass away. For we only know in part, and we only prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. And this is the bit I want to finish with. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. Now I have become a man, and I have put childish ways behind me. Do any of you know a 13 or 14 year old who you could leave in the house with a couple of kids and your wallet and know the house would be grand and everything would be okay? No hassles. Any of you know a 40 year old that you couldn't leave on their own? Never mind minding kids. Yeah? Okay. There's a word called maturity that gets thrown around hugely in Christian circles and in life. And we generally equate maturity to age, and it has nothing to do with age. Maturity has to do with people taking responsibility for themselves. And maturity has to do with people putting childish ways behind them. And if you want to know what childish ways are, they're the exact opposite to that list of what love is. Childish ways are all about me. What's happening for me, how I feel, what you did, what I didn't do. I don't like this. Daddy, 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 and it's all about me. Maturity is about living the love that God has for us and through us and blessing the people that we live with and the people that we're community with, the people that we work with, the people that we meet on the street, the people that we meet on the bus, at the bus stop or wherever. Maturity is about being men and women and not 10-year-olds in 40-year-old bodies. Which, unfortunately, I was a 35-year-old man with a 10-year-old heart and a 10-year-old head. And over a period of years, God grew me up and brought me to a place of maturity And the gas part is what I ran away from for years, which was responsibility, because I thought it would trap me. Actually, running away from it trapped me much worse because I ended up giving away all the control over my life. But when I took responsibility for it, I got freedom. And childish ways are the opposite of that. Mature ways are people who are patient, who are kind, who don't envy, who don't boast. who aren't self-seeking. All of that wasn't to have a go at you. It wasn't trying to make anyone feel bad or say, you need to grow up or any of that stuff. Although if you haven't grown up, you need to grow up because you're never going to have freedom if you don't. But God wants you. Jesus said he came to give us life in abundance. Life in abundance is not just money. It's freedom, it's peace, it's joy, it's healing. It's all the things that, that rob us of that being stopped. All the worry, all the anxiety, all the stress, all the aggro, all the grudges, all the, the bitterness of our hearts, the regret, all of that stuff being stopped gives us abundance. And that gift is there for you and it's there for me. 
But we need to step into it. Just like, please God, at Easter, you're going to get an egg off of someone. So there will be this lump of chocolate, but it will be wrapped in a box. Or at least wrapped in tinfoil. If you want to eat the chocolate, you need to open the gift. God's gift to us today is freedom and love. But if we want it, we need to open the gift. To open the gift, we need to unpack our hearts. Unpack our lives and go, okay, God, go for it. You can have free reign. You can come and mess with me. And you can change me into what you want me to be. Instead of what this world has made me. That choice is yours. I just want to try and encourage it and tell you, that is the best way you can live. But you can choose not to live that way. And God will respect that. And he'll go, that's fine. If that's what you really want, that's fine. But I would encourage you, don't do that. Take the chance. Let him open up your heart. Let him show you the stuff where you need to change. And let him give you the power to do it. And let him give you the grace to do it. And let him give you the freedom that you get because of it. Amen. Father, thank you for today and thank you for your presence and the opportunity that you give us to step into a new life with you. Lord, I know in my life, maturity and loving did not come easy. It came at a price. First off, it came at the price of your son on the cross. And then it came with a price of me being willing to surrender and let you have your way. And I want to pray for anyone in this room right now who are in that place where one, they don't even maybe know you. They may never have surrendered their life to you in the first place. They may never have invited you in and said, you know what, I need a savior. I need to have a relationship with God and I'm not able to do it on my own. You know, just before we go on, if I asked everyone just for a minute to close their eyes, just for a couple of minutes, and just respect the people beside you, actually close your eyes. If there's someone in this room who doesn't know Jesus, who hasn't made that decision, if you want to just slip your hand up in the room, the air for two seconds, and we pray. Today is the day you made a chance to change your life for eternity. Okay. This one I'm not asking you to put your hand up, but just with your eyes closed as well. If you have something in your heart or something in your life that is blocking you loving, it's blocking you receiving love, and I mean God's love, I don't mean... The Valentine's Day love. I mean God's love. If there's something stopping you from being able to receive that and to give that to other people, I'm going to ask you right now to do some business with God. To be honest enough with yourself and honest enough with Him to go, I can't let that hurt go. I can't forgive. I can't be patient with that person. I can't, whatever it is, just for these couple of seconds, just get honest with you and with God. 
and ask him for the grace or the strength or the courage or whatever it is that you need to change that situation in you so that you can go on and live in freedom and you can go on and live and experience his love for you and then pour that love out onto other people. Father, I pray for anyone in this room who is in that position, anyone who's struggling, anyone who's just got whatever it is that's stopping them, experiencing your love, experiencing your joy, your peace, your, 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 your amazing presence in their life every single day. That they can get up tomorrow morning and just have a peace. They can go to bed tonight and tomorrow night and have peace in their heart and their head. Put their head in the pillow and just sleep. And lie down in perfect peace because their head is full of you. God, if there's something blocking people right now, I ask you to reveal it to them and I ask you to give them the strength they need to overcome it. I ask you by the power of your Holy Spirit to move in lives. That we would leave this place different. That we would leave this place having left something rubbish with you and having picked up something beautiful in exchange. Lord, I pray your peace into the hearts and minds of everyone here. I pray forgiveness if it's needed. I pray joy where there's sadness and lacking. I pray peace where there's anxiety or stress or healing for hope, Lord God. That whatever is needed, you are the answer to all of it, God. And I pray over each and every one that they would experience your love. That they would experience that love is patient and love is kind. And it does not envy and it does not boast. And it is not proud. And it is not rude and it is not self-seeking. That it is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. This is you, God. That you do not delight in evil, but you rejoice with the truth. That you always protect and you always trust and you always hope. And you also persevere and you never fail. You never fail, O oh God. So Lord, I pray that each and every one of us as we leave this place and we spend this week just trying to live. That we experience that love. The love of Christ and the fellowship of your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. Have a great week.